Good morning again. What a uh, pleasure it is to be here. I tell you what, a uh, rough Sunday morning is better than a good Monday. Like I said, I came in here and there were all kinds of issues, but you know what? I'm so glad that we're here together. I truly am. So as I went along this week uh, and prepared this message, it started to become more and more personal to me. And I think that it's best summed up by the fact that yesterday I was sitting with a dear brother before men's group just talking, and he made a comment about how great it is to have a place to come on a Saturday morning to be among friends. And it made me think of a conversation I had with my wife not that long ago. Look, I had a life before Jesus found me. We all did. I had a friend group before Jesus found me. And I'll tell you, I still keep some of those acquaintances because I, I don't want to give up the opportunity to be able to show Christ to them. But I remember talking to Janine saying, you know what, though? I don't look forward to hanging out with them anymore. I don't really like relish the opportunity to be with them. All I want to do, I told her, is be with the people from church. <laughs> you know, because I have these other friends. They don't know Christ. They're not part of my life intimately like you all are. I'm not edified by them. I'm not built up by them. But that's okay. That's why God gave me all you. Some of you in this room have become very good friends to me. I can say my best friends are in this room right now. There's nothing more I love than being with you all. And I'm not just talking about Sunday worship. You know I love being with you for Sunday worship. But you are the people I want to be part of my life. You are the people that challenge me. You edify me. You draw me closer to God. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today we're going to complete our summer series, Enhancing the Beauty of the Bride, based on the principles of the book Natural Church Development. Now, for some of you, I'm sure that brings a sigh of relief. But I hope for others, this has been an edifying experience. I hope that it's made us all think about what makes the church the church. And so, for the final time, I want to look at a little picture of the church once again that show these essential elements of a healthy church. I'll spare you a review of the other seven elements. We've seen that enough, right? I just want us to notice these other seven elements are the structure of the church. They're the foundation, the walls, and the roof, metaphorically. But a structure is pointless if you don't put a door to get in. Otherwise, the structure remains empty, right? And the door, as we see here, is holistic small groups. Now, what do you mean by that, Lee? Well, let's first talk about the word holistic. It means that all parts of a person or an entity or a group are interconnected and affect the whole. You can't really refer to one part of it without a reference to the whole. If you remember our summer series last year on mental health, we talked about the holistic nature of people. It's the way God made us. Our mental health, our emotional health are inseparable from our physical health, our spiritual health, our relational health. All of these things affect each other. And that is why the church needs to care for people holistically. Christianity is not just about the spiritual. Yes, it is the spiritual reality that we've all come to know that unites us in Christ and makes us one. But as a community, we're here for much more than just that. My only job as a pastor isn't to show up on Sunday morning and teach, right? This is why pastors counsel people, listen to people, love people. We have to minister to the holistic nature of people. The church, we don't just focus on the spiritual, do we? 
We don't just evangelize people out in the world and leave the hungry hungry and the fatherless to fend for themselves, do we? No, as the church we minister to the whole person. As we've seen in this series, we are as the church, we're a family, we're a community. We are a united priesthood in Christ, but that goes beyond just the spiritual reality of who we are. Because the church is a holistic entity. The church is made of holistic people. This is about more than just our spiritual nature. And that's why the door to the church is holistic small groups. It's a door into the structure of the church. And by that, I don't mean you can't come in here on a Sunday, walk through those doors, and experience things like uh, inspirational worship or loving relationships. You certainly can. What I mean is that by entering through the door of holistic small groups, you become equipped to be part of the structure, to become part of the structure. Let me explain. I'm going to throw some stats at you, but I think these are actually stats you'll be interested in, I promise, okay? Montclair Community Church currently has a membership of 81 people. We have, over the last calendar year, averaged an attendance of 131 people for our Sunday service. Over that same period, the last calendar year, we have had, ready for this, 636 different people attend a Sunday service. So, let's assume our average of 131. Where are the other 505 people today? No. What happens to those other 505 people on any given average Sunday? What makes part of a 636 part of the 131? Maybe it's the preaching. Maybe you like the music. Maybe you like free lattes. I don't know. What makes one of the 131 part of the 81? Could be the preaching or the music. It could be convenience. Yeah, well, I just wanted a Bible-believing church, and you guys are right down the street, so here I am. Maybe it's the ministries we run. Maybe there's a ministry we run here, but you say, that's my heart. That's what I want to do. It's the only church I know that does it, so here I am. But here's the real question. What keeps someone in the 81? Why do people stay members of our church? What makes people the structure of Montclair Community Church? What keeps people in any church for a long time? You know, sometimes we stay somewhere because it's our only opportunity to use our gifts. You can ask my wife. I was very tempted to keep our old church open even though it had utterly failed because I just couldn't imagine not preaching. Sometimes we stay for a time because it's convenient or maybe it's just comfortable. Maybe we like a place where we can sneak in five minutes before service, after service starts, sit in the back and leave right after it ends. Maybe we stay because it's the only place that we can complain as much as we want to and still be accepted and loved as we are be really hard to do that in a new place. But none of these make you part of the structure of the church. These just are simply not sustainable. And eventually, if that's why you're here, for any of these reasons, you're going to realize it needs to be something more. And either you're going to find it here, or you're going to leave. And that's where the idea of holistic small groups comes in. We need a holistic church because we are holistic people. A church that isn't just preaching, that isn't just music. That isn't just a comfortable place to spend on a Sunday with some familiar faces. What we need as a church family is intimacy and interaction. I'm going to use those words a lot today. Intimacy and interaction. We need relationships. We need people that show us Christ. We need people that walk with us on our journey through this life as Christians. People to prop us up. And that's not the Sunday morning service. This isn't intimacy 
and interaction with each other right now. This is spiritual worship. This is spiritual unity. Corporately, we interact with God on a very intimate level as one united body. But we need more than that. And like I said, this is personal to me. And I speak from experience because this is what brought my family to Montclair Community Church. It has nothing to do with me. The community that this church is is what drew us here. It's what kept us here. You all kept me here. Thank you. See, I come from a church background where following rules and having the right outward appearance on Sunday morning was pretty much all that mattered. So sure some of you know such churches. There are plenty of those churches. But those are churches that have a constant revolving door of membership. People don't tend to stick around very long because churches like that are missing a big piece of the puzzle. They're missing the intimacy we need. They're missing the opportunity for interaction that we need. Those kind of churches have no doorway for people to become part of the structure. But listen, there are two ways, two ways Christ reveals himself to us. We find him in his word. I think I may have mentioned that once or twice before. But we also find him in each other. We know Christ through his word and through each other. See, passionate spirituality is stirred up in relationships. Loving relationships like we talked about. Gifts, spiritual gifts are nurtured in relationship. Inspiring worship happens when we all come together as a result of our relationship with each other. I want to be at a church where my friends are. I want to be at a church where I have people that I can lean on and who can lean on me. I want to be at a church where I know people and people know me. Because that is how God works and I want to be at a church where God is working. And we do that at an intimate level through holistic small groups. So, in our context at Montclair Community Church, where's the door? Well, first and most obviously, we have our community groups. And that name, though definitely not original to Montclair Community Church, community groups, it's an intentional name. These small, intimate groups are where community is built. A place where people can interact a place where friends are made. They're holistic. There is a spiritual building up in these groups. We study the Bible together, but that's not all there is. There is emotional support between members of our groups. There's physical support. The members of these groups know what's going on with everybody else, and we work together to meet each other's needs. Are you part of a community group? We have some great community groups. Two great women's studies, a men's study, a couple's study. You have a professional study if you want to start back up. There's a mixed study during the week. And I can tell you, just again, from my experience, this is personal, I'll tell you about community groups. I go to the men's community group on Saturdays. It is a great Bible study, I'll give you that. Yesterday was fantastic, Pastor Dave led the study. But you know what else there is? My friends are there. I'm in a relationship with these men. We get to share each other's victories. We get to share each other's failures. We pray with and for each other. We get to encourage each other, and it's a safe place where we get to rebuke each other. And from there, you know what has grown? Friendships. We share meals together. A bunch of guys go walking after, after our study regularly just to talk and be together. We're in fellowship with each other. You know, we have a number of commands in the Bible about doing things like this. Let's go to Romans 12 for a second. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Do you know where this happens? 
This happens in intimate relationships. This happens in friendship. This is interaction. This is what happens in these small groups. All those one another commands we have in the Bible, they require intimacy and interaction. We're told to love one another, instruct one another, admonish one another, care for one another, comfort one another, be kind to one another. That happens in a small group. That happens in friendships. But you know, our community groups aren't our only holistic small groups. It's not the only place where relationships are built and intimacy and interaction happen. We have all the ministries that we run. We have a great group of ministry teams here. And the people involved in these ministries, they're their own holistic small group. Watch the ushers on a Sunday morning as they greet you. That's a group of friends out there doing that. The leadership team, they know each other, they love each other, they help each other. The worship team. Some of the people on the worship team have become some of my best friends. VBS, we just had VBS this week. You know what? It wasn't just ministering to the kids. Thank God we had that. But you know what? I had some great theological discussions with some of my brothers and sisters. Had a chance to talk to them, to catch up, to see what's going on, to offer help to some of them. It doesn't end there. You know what? We have a Bible study on Sunday morning. I go down there. I see all the fun you're having before you start the study. That's a group of friends that get together every week. And there's more. Outside of that, there have just been some organic friendships that grow out of mutual love for Christ in this church. Again, I like going to a church where my friends are. I love it. I mean, look, look around in the fellowship hall on a Sunday morning. Come down today. There's ice cream. All right, I'm going to throw that out there. But there are friends, family, sitting together all over the room. People who are part of these holistic small groups, they come together even on Sunday and they spend time together. See, at our church, there's not a small door. It's not hard to find. Monco Community Church has an industrial-sized garage door for you to come through and become part of the structure of the church. And the best part about a door that big is you can come in no matter how much baggage you have. You're invited. All right, let's just consider that an unreasonably long introduction and get to the Bible now, okay? <laughs> let's think about how the church started. Christ called a small band of disciples to himself. So it starts with Christ and the apostles. Christ the cornerstone, the apostles the foundation of the church, according to the apostle Paul. We don't read the gospels and see that the apostles showed up to hear Christ preach for 40 minutes a week. We don't read that the apostles ran into each other once a week and had a few minutes together. They had consistent intimacy with Jesus and with each other. They had constant interaction with Jesus and with each other. And this is how they grew into the foundation of a church. I mean, think about what we have in the gospel accounts about Christ and the apostles, okay? They were all together for over three years. So we really have such a small part recorded of what they might have done together, don't we? Now, think about spending three years with a small group of people. What would that be like? Let me ask you a question. You ever spend a week with, like, extended family or friends, people you don't normally spend that much time with, like on vacation or something? How do you feel about them by the end of the week? Right? You're all ready to hang out the next day with them. Right? I missed them already. That's not what happens. But you know what? That's part of intimacy. 
You learn each other's shortcomings. You learn each other's weaknesses. You learn what you don't like about people. If anyone here hasn't figured out what they don't like about me, let's hang out. It'll become clear very quick. But you know what happens in these intimate situations? You are forced to make changes to accommodate each other. You have to adapt if the group is going to be better. You have to sacrifice for the sake of each other. And while that's happening, you, you, you get to know each other's strengths. And, and I can use my strengths to accommodate your weakness. And I, I can come to you because you're strong where I'm weak. Whereas one in need, the others can provide. You learn you can lean on each other and they can lean on you. That is a holistic small group. That is what Jesus and the apostles had. And you might think, okay, well, we can't really compare ourselves to Jesus and the apostles. Right? I mean, they had Jesus right there with them. Jesus was present with them. He was the focal point of the group. He was the head of the group. Our groups are no different, are they? And when you consider that we need each other to see the love of Christ in action and for him to work at an intimate level, well, we need each other that much more. We need more intimacy. We need more interaction to know Christ. And as we know, after Christ spent that time with his apostles, he gave them the great commission. He tasked them, basically, to pay it forward. He tasked the church as a whole to do that, to make disciples, to do what he did. And you know what? You don't make disciples from the pulpit. It's part of it. It certainly helps. That's not really where the rubber meets the road. You don't make disciples spending a few minutes with somebody, eating a bagel, and talking about the weather. Discipleship requires intimate relationships. Discipleship requires regular interaction. They require holistic small groups. And of course, the disciples of Christ did as they were commanded. And we read that after the Spirit was poured out on the church, after Peter's inaugural sermon in Acts 2.42, we read, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is the church. That's the they. Look at what they did here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Just like the apostles devoted themselves to Christ's teaching. It's an important part to becoming a disciple of Christ, hearing and understanding his revealed word. That's why we're here today. But it certainly doesn't stop there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. The Greek word there, which I'm giving you for a reason, is koinonia. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of interaction. The word is translated in the Bible in other places as participation or sharing or contribution, or partnership. It was actually a legal term. It was a legal term used to speak of a contractual agreement to take shared responsibility for something. So that means that fellowship, as the Bible describes it, is a lot more than just occupying the same space at the same time. It's being intentional about participating, about contributing, about sharing responsibility together. And what are we sharing responsibility for when we have this kind of fellowship? Each other. Our church. All the holistic people and the holistic group of those people. This is the fellowship we're in. This is what the early church did. And they did it intimately. They interacted with each other. Notice they also shared in the breaking of bread. Some people say this is just talking about communion. I don't think so. Maybe that's part of it. In a, few, in a few verses, we're going to read this. And day by day, that means daily, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. 
They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were together beyond just the church gathering on a regular basis. They broke bread together in their homes. They had table fellowship. Of course, there were no church buildings at the start, right? The churches met in homes. And in a way, that's almost better. Because we tend today to think of church as a place, right? We talked about this when we covered inspirational worship. Someone says, where do you go to church? And our first reaction is to give them an address. Or we look at the building and we say, that's my church. This isn't my church. You're my church. See, in those days, there was no place for the church. When Paul writes to these churches, to the church in Corinth, it wasn't the one church building in the city. It was to all the people in the city, in fellowship, through their unity in Christ. He's writing to all of the Christians. There was no centralized location for worship because the church is not a place. It still isn't. It's people. And for, for them, you know, meeting in homes meant the church gathering was a lot smaller. It was a lot more intimate. I'm not saying it's bad to have a lot of people here. Not at all. I hope we have more next week. What I'm saying is it's not enough just to do what we're doing here this morning. We need that intimacy the early church had. We can't let the fact that our circumstances are different change what the Bible tells us about how the church is in fellowship together. We can't neglect the people just because we have a place. We can't neglect the fellowship and the breaking of bread just because we have a place to meet together for the word of God to be preached. That's not the model we're given in Scripture. The church, the people were together. They were together consistently. There was regular intimacy. There was constant interaction. There's something else the early church did. Verse 44, we read, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And of course, because of the next verse, we, we tend to assign a purely physical explanation to this, right? Verse 45, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's great. This is part of the holistic care of each other. When one of us is in need, those of us who have should meet that need. So the physical is part of this. But this isn't clarifying verse 44 as much as adding to it. The believers were together, they had all things in common, and when someone had a need, even if it took selling what they had, they would do it in order to help the poor among them. Back to verse 44 for a second. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. I don't like the word things here, right? First off, it's such an ambiguous term, isn't it? Second, things always make us think of physical things, doesn't it? But third, the word's not even there in the text. Remember, there's always interpretation and translation. The text literally says they had everything in common. Actually, more literally, it would be they had everything shared. The early church shared in everything. And the word here that's in common or shared is the Greek word koinos. That's why I gave you the other Greek word. It's the same Word family is a word koinonia that's translated as fellowship. See, this is expanding on that participation they had and that partnership they had and that contribution they were all called to make. We already saw that partnership was in each other and the church. It's a shared responsibility for each other and for the church. But what part of each other? Just the physical part? Or maybe just the spiritual part? Let's read the whole description. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That's awfully holistic, isn't it? Physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, all being met by a small group of Christians. That's what this is saying. Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. All who believed were together and they shared everything. They shared responsibility for everything. Mind, body, spirit. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. They were together and they shared everything. They shared responsibility for the church. The church that Christ said, okay, you guys, now you go and build the church through making disciples, through intimate relationships, through interaction with people. What's our part of partnership here as Christ's people? What do, we, what do we partner in? Everything. This is describing a holistic church made up of holistic people. And, and we see here the most important part of this. And it seems so obvious, and I'm going to say this, and you're going to be like, this guy ain't so smart. But... The important part of this, the door through which you get to enter in and become part of the structure, the, the door to being part of the church that Christ is building is being together. They were together. Simple. The Christians were regularly together, consistently together. That's the group part of the holistic small group, right? Without being together, there is no group. And it's the most important part. We actually read of a church being together twice in our short passage today. All who believed were together. And then in verse 46, we read, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They worshiped God together. That small group table fellowship together. And it made them glad. It affected their emotional state. They praised God. It drew them closer to God together. Actually, in this chapter of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, we read of people being together four times. All right, we have these two examples we just talked about. We have verse 1, where we read, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And in verse 6, when the spirits poured out, we read, and at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And here's something I don't realize reading your English translation of the Bible, okay? All four of these togethers are Different words in the Greek. There are four aspects of togetherness being described here. Chapter 1 of the book of Acts, Jesus gives the apostles their marching order to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. He ascends. They replace Judas. And then we read, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. These are the apostles, all together in one place. The foundation of a church. The first holistic small group was still a small group. Jesus ascended, but here they are. They're still together. And the word here for together, it means simply the same. Here the apostles were together and they were the same. They were united. There was this oneness between them. They were the same. And we've already talked about this. We spoke about how we're united to each other because we are each united to Christ. We're one body, but many in Christ, right? But we're really one. 
So here's the apostles together in a place, the whole group idea being together, but they were together as a single entity. It wasn't just a collection of people. They were one. And this is what happens in a holistic small group. Remember, holistic means that the parts are inseparable from the whole. They are so intertwined that you can't have a whole without them. And when we speak of individuals, it just means we're multifaceted beings. Each facet of how God made us works together. When we talk of a church, we talk about how we're all members of one body with Christ as the head and how each body part is necessary for us to be a whole. But here we see in a small group, it speaks of intimacy, interaction, that each member of the whole affects every other member because the focus is on the one, right? The parts are there to make the one, to serve the one, to benefit the one. That's what the apostles are being described together here. They were one. You know why they were one in one place? Where else are they going to go at this point? Jesus was gone. They were afraid. They had nowhere else to go. They had no one else to go to. All they could do was do what Jesus told them while they waited for him to fulfill his promise. Were you any different? See, this is why in our small groups, even us, Jesus is still the focal point. We still come together in our small groups so Jesus can work, so we can do what he promised he would do. He is still the point. And when he is, he will make us one inseparable whole. That's what this together is communicating here. Then, after the Spirit's poured out, and we read he comes like a mighty rushing wind, and we read in verse 6, and at the sound, the multitude came together. All right, so because of what the apostles did while they were together, we see others came together. And this here is a verb, this came together is one word. See, there's action involved. There's intentionality involved. There's a will involved. The Spirit moved and drew these people together. They acted they hear the apostles speak in tongues. They hear Peter's sermon. You know what we read at the end of this chapter? That 3,000 of them came to faith because of what the apostles were doing. Isn't that a miracle? And as far as it concerns holistic small groups, there needs to be a desire that leads to action. There needs to be a desire for us to come together in a group. This is important because this is usually where we get caught up. Really, it is. Right? It's like starting a diet or a workout routine. The hardest part is just getting started, isn't it? You ever been there? But have you ever done either of those? You know, once you get started, it's not as horrible as you thought it was going to be, right? Then if you're consistent with it, well, it starts to get easier. And if you're still consistent with it, it starts to become enjoyable. See, we have the same tendency in our walk with Christ as members of a church. We really do. Look, I'll be honest. I love VBS. I really do love VBS. We did five nights this week. As the week goes on, the hardest part of the week is getting back in my car to come here for 6 o'clock. i got to be honest. By Friday, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe there's a way I can just call Amber and tell her I can't make it. <laughs> it just seems so daunting. But you know what? Every night once I got here, it was awesome. It was amazing. This is what happens to us as Christians all the time. 
Whether it's reading our Bibles regularly or praying uh, regularly or serving in ministry or joining a small group. In some cases, even staying after service to fellowship downstairs. Until we do these things and do them consistently, they seem difficult. Maybe they seem unimportant. But then we do it and we say, this is better than I thought it was going to be. And then we do it consistently. And we find out, I actually like this. See, it's that first hurdle that's a problem. Being intentional in doing even something we think we might not want to do. But we need to do it. You know why? Well, yeah, we need it. It'll help us grow. It'll provide a support system for us. It'll help our needs get met. And, you know, all these things are true. But that's not why we do it. We come together whether in a community group, on a ministry team, just coming to fellowship after service for the first time to make some friends. We do it for the sake of the group. Right, that oneness we just spoke about, that's the really important part. Jesus will work through the other parts of the group to minister to you, absolutely. But the blessing is that he will work through you to minister to the group. You know, I... Maybe you've heard the illustration a lot of pastors have used about, you know, taking the hot charcoal off the grill and how it cools down when it's not with the other charcoal. You ever hear that one? The idea is that, you know, if you open the grill, you take the charcoal out, you put it on the ground, it becomes cool. And that's supposed to be the Christian if it's not with his friends, right? But you know what they miss in that illustration? Is the fact that without that piece of charcoal, that fire in the grill isn't even burning as hot. It gets hotter as you add more coals to it. See, that's why action is needed. That's why intentionality is needed. That's why we need to do it. We need to get over that first hurdle, even if it seems like something we might not want to do. Are we still going to put it off? We have a third idea of togetherness. Acts 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. All who believed were together and had everything in common. We already talked about this in common, about it being shared. But what about the together here? Well, actually, the word together isn't even here in the text. It's translated that way because that's kind of the sense. You know what it actually says here? There are three words translated together. The word for in, the definite article the, and the word them. Literally says all the Christians were in the them. It talks about our identity as Christians. Our identity as part of a church. Our identity as part of our holistic small group. It's tied in with our oneness and our intentionality about being together for the sake of the group, because this is talking about losing yourself for the sake of the whole. These believers here, there wasn't a bunch of me's and you's. There was just a them. I'm not me, I'm part of us. You're not you, you're part of us. This is how we are when we're in an intimate relationship. My wife and I, according to the Bible, according to our vows, and according to the inscription on the inside of our rings, we are no longer two. We are one. I'm not me when it comes to my relationship with her. There's a we. There's a holistic one. 
We, in intimate relationship with Christ, united with Christ, made one with Christ, we aren't who we are anymore. We aren't me's. I think the Bible says something about losing your lives and denying yourself, doesn't it? And in Christ, we're united to each other. When we are in intimate relationship with each other, which happens in holistic small groups, we learn to deny ourselves for Christ's sake and the sake of each other. In these small groups, this is where we learn to stop being me. And God can place us firmly in the them that is his people. That's being together as we're called. And then finally, verse 46, and day by day or daily, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the disciples were together in the temple, at the physical place, but then together in relationship outside the temple. Right? They ate together. They spent time together. Being together resulted in gladness. There's emotional health. Resulted in generosity. That's helping each other with their physical needs. They praised God together. They helped each other be more spiritual together. And they're only able to do these things because they're together. And the word here for together means literally one passion or one strong feeling. This is talking about singleness of desire or mind or feeling. When one of them felt something, the rest felt it along with them. What one desired, they all desired. This is why they were glad. This is why they could be generous. This is why they could be thankful and praise God. They were together and these things were being built up in them. That's what's done in a holistic small group. This is what intimacy and interaction lead to. You helping me and me having the blessing of helping you. This is what we're called to. But in order for it to be done, we need to do it together. And I want to finish by pointing out what happened through all this togetherness. It says the Lord added to their number day by day. People were being saved every day through this togetherness. No, we're told that through this togetherness that the Christians, they had favor with who? With each other? With all the other Christians? No, with all the people. Literally with all the multitudes. Just imagine. Imagine if for once the world could look at Christianity and say, there's a bunch of people who are together. Just imagine if the world saw Christians as being a united one. And this brings us back to our structure. See, the structure of our church was growing here in the book of Acts. There was a door for people to enter through and become part of the structure of the church. That was intimate fellowship. Every part of the whole interacting with each other for mutual upbuilding, to build each other up in faith, to build each other up in love. And for those Sunday-only Christians, well, they're missing out on this. You know what that means? That means the world. All the people, the multitude who are looking at us, they don't see a door leading to Christ. So they walk the easy way. They may take the wide gate. Remember, Christ didn't just tell us to enter by the narrow door. He said there was 
a way that was difficult, right? We have to walk the difficult road. Jesus made no secret of the fact that there was going to be work to do and that it wouldn't be easy. Now, that gate may ensure my salvation in the end, and it does, but it is the door to the structure of the church that will grow us in salvation now. It is the door into the structure of the church that leads us to holiness now. It is the door that helps us bear each other's burdens, get through the difficulties of life, see Christ working on an intimate level. It is the door that makes us part of a structure of a church that Christ is building up so that we can save souls, we can lead them to a narrow gate, we can make disciples, and the more we're in intimate fellowship, the more we interact, the more we're intentional about it, the more we're focused on being one, the more we are identified by our togetherness as one, the more we are unified in supporting each other spiritually, emotionally, physically, the bigger the structure will be, the stronger and more well-built it will be, and the larger the door will be. But if you haven't, you first need to walk through the door. We all need to be part of a holistic small group, because this is where all of this happens. This is how Christ builds his church. And I warn you, if you are not part of a holistic small group, you are shorting yourself. But even worse, you're shorting others. You're just missing the support of friends. You're just missing out on a deeper knowledge of Christ. They are. We also encourage you. If you're not part of a group, come see me. Come see one of the elders. Get involved in a community group, a ministry team. Come for fellowship, make some friends. I'm asking you all today, if you have not, you need to walk through the door. And God, I hope to see you inside. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that you built a church, Lord, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the apostles of the foundation. And Lord, my prayer is that we would look to them, look to your description of a church in your word, and strive to be that, God. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts to want to be what you call us to be. I pray that we would want to minister to others, that we would want to help lift each other up, that we would want to help take care of each other, because, God, this is what the church does. This is how the church grows. This is how the world sees the church for what it is. So, Lord, help us to be a light in a dark world. Help us to be different than the world. The world needs to see different. So Lord, I pray that you would help us over that first hurdle to enter in through the door, to be more involved, Lord. To commit not to this church, not to anyone here, but commit to you, God, to do more than spend an hour every week seeking you. Lord, bless us by drawing us together 
in these small groups that we can see you, know you, and love you like we want to. Work in each and every heart. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.